Jake Novak is with us live via telephone. He's supervising producer at Street Signs for CNBC, and he is a columnist for CNBC.com and follows what's going on in Israel and around the world, especially the business world, very, very closely. Jake Novak, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, and a good enchodesh to you and all your listeners. I greatly appreciate that. Um, I know that you covered the uh, State of the Union last night, and I don't know if this was in your – I don't know if a fact-checking was in your uh, uh, you know, repertoire last evening. But one of the things that, you know, from a business perspective, and as I always tell you, I know very little about the economy and how to analyze it. That's why we turn to people like you. Uh, but one of the, one of the uh, interesting stats or uh, statements that the president made was that more jobs have been created in this country than all forward-moving countries combined. I, I don't know if that's the exact quote, but you know what I mean. In other words, the major countries of the world combine all of them together. The United States has created more jobs in the last year. What did you think of that assertion? Um, it, it's not too far off the mark, actually. Uh, unfortunately, I wish that were more because you know the United States was creating record numbers of jobs and massive jobs. It's more because the rest of the world is doing so poorly. And he's really pointing to the European nations in, in that comparison. It's not really comparing it to Asian countries and stuff like that, in China, for example. But, um, yeah, I mean, the United States is slowly, slowly, slowly. I, I'm, I'm in the camp of people who feel that the recovery should have started much sooner and should be much, much more robust. And the government is the biggest reason why that hasn't happened, and President Obama takes a lot of responsibility for that. But it does us no good not to recognize that we are moving in a positive direction, because if we don't recognize that, we're not going to see the good things that we're doing and say, oh, we need to do more of this. Um, and he's not doing enough of the good stuff. But we do have to admit that, look, we are doing better than most of the European world, the civilized world, what we know as the G7 or the G20. Um, so we are doing a little bit better, but I, I think I, I think I'll, I join a lot of Democrats as well, in addition to Republicans and conservatives who say it's not enough. Here it is. Since here's what I was referring to. Yeah. Since 2010, I of course told you it was the last year. Shows you how much I paid attention. Since 2010, the president said America has put more people back to work than Europe, Japan, and all advanced economies combined. Yeah, that's. And that's really based on what you consider bad comps. You know, if you did really, really poorly in 2008 and 2009, and we did, then putting people back to work, there's the wording that you really have to uh, seize on and realize. He's talking about some really, really bad numbers that we had in 08 and 09, where we were losing hundreds and hundreds of thousands of jobs in months, every month, sometimes a million in some of the months. And now we're, you know, there is been, there's been this slow, uh, return and getting some of those people back to work, and it's been very, very slow. And again, I, it's because we're better than the rest of the world, which is doing even worse. And I often say, use this analogy. I often say we're the prettiest horse in the glue factory. We're still not as strong as we should be, right. but we're you know we're in a bad place. But we look good compared to the rest. Jake Novak is with us. There are a couple of other factors, by the way. The um, people go back to work and often at uh, salaries that are half of what they made in the past. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's something that happens in every recovery. You know, that was a big attack that they used to level on President Reagan as well. They would say, "Oh, all well, of these jobs uh, that, that people are getting aren't as good, aren't high, high, high paying enough." And you know, that that happens all the time. So I, I'm not too, I'm not 100% as 100% concerned about that. I think for a lot of us, our main concern is we have still a huge percentage of American people who are not working at all. You know, we saw this is a fancy term the labor participation rate, which, so we have a lot of people getting back to work, but the total percentage of American adults working remains at, at pretty much all-time lows, you know, post-depression you know, all-time lows. And that bothers me. So, no, I'm not happy that someone is going back for a lower-paying job. 
but at least they're getting up in the morning and going out to work, and I think we all know the social benefits of that and, and the family benefits of that. When we have more and more people who aren't working at all and they don't get counted anymore in the unemployment stats, that's really frightening. No, yeah, I agree with you, but, uh, but you've just given a sliver of hope for a lot of people because if this is in fact cyclical and it works this way, you know, each time there's a recovery, then those who are part-timers or earning less than they'd like to right now, there is hope down the road that in fact they'll be able to earn more soon. Yeah, and I have great admiration for people who say, who suck it up and they say, look, I, this isn't as good a paying job. This isn't the greatest job in the world, but it's better than going on benefits. It's better than going on you know, taking an early retirement. I want to keep working. I want to keep being productive. And we should have a lot of admiration for people like that and, and say to them, look, this is the, it, going from one to two is easier than going from zero to one. Uh, I could use you when I, uh, when I give my pep talks to youngsters about going for their degrees and trying to get to the next level and getting, yeah. getting into formal educational atmospheres instead of, uh, doing other things. But that's, that's for another day. Yeah. Jake Novak is with us, supervising producer at Street Sign CNBC, columnist for CNBC.com. Um, you were, you had written something about the, um, the war and its effect on the Israeli economy. Obviously, it was a very rough summer in Israel. Without the war, Israel's economy would have, would, would be a lot different at the end of 2014? Well, you know, the numbers keep getting revised. I mean, that's kind of the breaking news of the last couple of days coming out of Israel. Uh, first off, the GDP in Israel was much, the economy in Israel was much stronger than the initial readings. I mean, that's the funny thing about economics. There's always a revision. You know, it takes right. a very long time before there's agreed upon numbers, sometimes years, before we can say, oh, 2014 was this year, 2014 was that kind of year. Um, but now they are saying, the latest news, this is breaking news out of Israel, that even during the Gaza war, there was a slight uptick in the Israeli economy of 0.2%, which is just amazing because everyone thought that, okay, 2014 was a pretty good year. It would have been much better without the Gaza war. And that's still true. But now the, the fact that there wasn't even a loss in, you know, in, in the positive side from the war is very, is very telling of how, how very durable this Israeli economy is right now. Yeah, I think that's the point, that you'd think that, uh, because this would be a much bigger story if, in fact, it was a complete economic disaster. Yeah, and I think, look, I know we have terrible news today coming out of Tel Aviv, yep. you know, latest tel- uh, terrorist attack, and, and I don't mean to, to put, you know, sprinkle sunshine on everything and let us forget the general issues there. However, mm-hmm. what we're learning about Israel every single day is that this is an economy that's built to deal with these kinds of problems, and as much as we hear in the political agenda and in the uh, intellectual agenda incredible condemnation of Israel, you know, look, political and intellectual talk, uh, you know, usually doesn't really last. Money talks. And the money talks, uh, and, the, and what it's telling us is that Israel is a good buy. I mean, that when we talk about an Israeli growing economy, this isn't their own money. They're not going to some factory and just making more <laughs> valuable stuff. Right. This is foreign investors, even from countries, often from countries that supposedly hate Israel, the the wealthy and successful people in those countries are saying, I've got to invest in Israel. I mean, I have to invest in Israel. Do you have a good exa- Do you have a good example of that? A representative or a or a non official representative from a country that hates Israel? It's really made a big financial commitment. Well, yeah. I mean, well, Jordan Jordan and Saudi Arabia. I mean, they're buying up excess uh, water supply from Israel, and they have been for quite a while now. Uh, this, I mean, look, these countries are officially. I mean, Jordan is no longer officially in the state of war, but they don't they, they don't right. say nice things about Israel. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, those are two, you know, clear examples. And that, and that, of course, has a lot to do with, 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 with the water issue, which is becoming, to me, I think, for all the world, the work, the talk we've had all over the world about oil in the last 10 years, I really predict that the next 10 years, we'll be talking almost as much about water as we do about oil. 
And Israel is at the forefront of that, and that's not an exaggeration by any step. The, for, the forefront of what regarding water? Well, Israel is the, the leading nation in the purification of water and, the incre- and, and, how, and teaching countries and cities how to increase their water supply. And again, money talks, Nachum. So you have a situation where the state of California, with all of its leftism and, and intellectual hatred of Israel on their campuses, we know of all these instances, the fact is the governor of California last year made a, made a large deal with the state of Israel and even invited uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu to come to California, which he did, to take a look at their water situation. I mean, the water situation in California is dire, mostly because of their own doing. This is not only a natural thing. The, the political policies on water preservation in that state are insane. But they're making a good move, at least by going to Israel. Much bigger than the state of California, though, is the nation of India. I mean, this is a country of 1.2 billion people uh, with a new uh, prime minister who is very pro-Israel and trying to create more business partnerships with Israel. And the biggest business partnership, as far as, far as scope is concerned, is a deal they're making with Israel to purify the River Ganges, you know, which is a huge deal in India. It's like a sacred river. It's a major, major deal there. And if, we could, if Israel could find a way to purify India's water situation and increase their supply, you'd be talking about preserving the world's second largest population. That's, that's beyond, you know, mitzvah. That's, that's a real smart business investment. And an amazing accomplishment. Whoever would have dreamed of it. Jake yeah. Novak is with us. The, um, have you seen this, by the way? And I, I assume this is not related. Because, well, maybe it is because you, you talk about air and water. Have you seen this Israeli startup that has gone ahead and produced a car that runs on air and water? Yeah, and the, and this is the same company that can basically get more water out of the air as well. So it is uh, the small same. company. Um, these, these are these are things that Israel has to do. I mean, look, all the all the trials and tribulations that Israel went through just to establish itself as a you know habitable state. I mean, just you know, in 1880, you couldn't have put more than 100,000 people in, in what is now the state of Israel and hoped that they would live you know, a, a, any kind of a sustainable life. So, yeah, I mean, all this kind of stuff is because of necessity. And listen, it's, we've known this in this country. We've known it in, throughout history. Um, necessity breeds, you know, invention. And that's what's going on right now in Israel. It's been going on for a long time. And the money talks. No matter how much you hear negative about Israel, remember that money is, to me, an investment it means more than empty words. But aren't there many uh, conglomerates, companies, uh, business interests around the world, including the United States, that are going to be uh, rather upset that there'll be uh, automobiles that can run on air being sold? <laughs> uh, you know, yes and no. I mean, those are the kinds of things like, look, that kind of stuff is always great to give us a little bit more of an option. I have yet to believe that any one of the alternative energy sources, other than natural gas, is ever going to be a massive, you know, a mass-produced type huge hit in this country. So, yeah, we're going to have electric cars like Tesla, and maybe we'll have an air, water, run car one day, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think... You know, listen, we, we buy 17 million cars in this country every year. You know, I don't think we're going to get to a point where we sell 17 million electric cars, 17 million cars on air and water. Hmm. And until we get to that point, it's really not worth worrying about. Interesting. Anything special in 2015 that we should be looking at? I know that these companies you just mentioned that are, of course, based in Israel and all these incredible concepts are enough to look at. But anything else that that's catching your eye toward the beginning of this new year? That might make some impact on the business world out of Israel? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to go back to the military, although, listen, again, necessity breeds invention. Right now in Israel, the, uh, there's a lot of cutting-edge technology being done on mini-submarine technology, and this is something that the rest of the world is very, very interested in. And I, I hope we don't, you know, Israel doesn't need to use, use this technology anytime soon in a big way, but these dolphin sub-technology, this is mini-submarines, one, two, three people, 
um, that are used that are very very effective. This is an extremely effective weapon to use against an enemy, especially a terrorist enemy who isn't coming with an armada, you know, like on D-Day. Right. Um, and this is very very uh, interesting to the rest of the world. There's been a lot of cooperation already. I mean, Israel is buying some of the, this technology from com- countries like Germany, for example, and then improving on it and then selling it back to other nations. This is, there's a little bit more partnership involved, and because it's of a military uh, cooperative, cooperative nature, there may be some really good political um, uh, benefits from this as well, in addition to some of the other things that are more just business uh, in a business center. So uh, look for that. Look for Dolphin sub-technology. Look for what Israel is doing there. And hopefully you'll yeah, you'll be looking for it on the business pages and not on the front pages. What is the? I, I keep reading about the free trade agreement. Uh, Israel and China are obviously talking. What is their official business relationship right now? Well, it's it's a partnership now that's just really it, it, they you know it's one of those things where politically it's not official, but there's definitely a lot of business going on. Now the biggest example of that nothing was earlier this week Alibaba, which is you know if you want to. If you want to pigeonhole it, you can say it's the Chinese Amazon, but right. it's much bigger than Amazon. This is a massive company, one of the biggest. You know, it just went public a couple of months ago, and is already one of the biggest com- companies in the world. And Alibaba already has made some investments in Israel just in the past week, and they came a couple of months ago to, to start scouting it out. So that's really the the answer that you have to give when you talk about Chinese-Israeli relations. Don't so much talk about the government deals mm-hmm. because you know that's very problematic. The Individual companies in China have a lot more freedom than you might expect from a com- from a communist country, and they're already making acquisitions and making partnerships. So look at the Alibaba deals. Alibaba, I think, is going to buy a lot more in Israel because Israel's the Israel's consumers buy and sell things a lot more like Asian consumers do, as opposed to Americans. I don't know if you saw it or not. The uh, New York Times this morning. Uh... Uh, basically painted a picture that uh, the president last night spoke as if he had won the midterm elections, that his party had won the midterm elections, and he spoke with that tone of voice. But in reality, of course, we know what happened in November. With that in mind, uh, what do you think in terms of the cooperation or lack thereof that we can expect in 2015 between the White House and the Republican Congress? Um, I, I have a very pessimistic view of it. I see, I see, I see it the same way. The president really spoke as if he, it wasn't him just last night. I mean, the day after the midterm elections, the first thing the president emphasized was, well, a lot of people didn't vote. I mean, it was an immediate dismissal of a very strong voice from the public. You know, we don't always get a strong result from the midterm elections. We've, we've had them in, in 2010 and 2014. We did, and maybe people feel that that's the way it usually is, but very often the midterm elections don't necessarily send such a strong message, and they really did this time, and the president immediately brushed it off, and he brushed it off again last night in the State of the Union. I don't see a lot of chances for um, cooperation, because the one issue where there does seem to be some agreement about reforming the tax code, okay, great, that's the headline, but then you dig in just a little bit deeper, and you see, oh, they agree on the tax code, but one, but the president wants to reform it in a very, very different way than the Republicans do. He really wants to raise taxes on the on the on what's known as the richer Americans. And listen, if you make two or three hundred thousand dollars and have four or five kids in New York City, I don't know if you can be called rich. I, I, I think that that's really an insult. It's not true, but you would have a, a tax increase under this plan it, it, to to not. Um, uh, reduce corporate tax rates when the United States has the highest rate of in, the, in, the, in the industrialized world, I don't consider that tax reform. So there you go. There's, there's the issue that people are saying, oh, there's agreement there. I'm not so sure there's agreement there either. And I think the president's number one goal is to try to make the Republicans look bad, look greedy, look mean. And, uh, you know, look, that'll suit him. I, I, I just don't see an interest in getting much done. Jake Novak, supervising producer at Street Signs on CNBC. He is the columnist on CNBC, well, a columnist on CNBC. Dot com. I'd love to invite you in one day to do some Q&A with our audience. Maybe we could do that one time. 
that would be a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you so much for joining me. Uh, Jake Novak, Wednesday morning on this Rosh Chodesh here at JM and the AM at 25 minutes after, uh, 25 minutes before 8 o'clock.